Hello, everybody. This is Keith, Music Man Hanlock, and I'm with David Vito Gregoli today. And we're going to talk about the upcoming album called Wild Monsoon with Ricky Kish. How are you doing, Vito? Doing well. How about you? Good. Thanks for your time and coming on board today. My pleasure. So the album is actually due on the 28th. Is that correct? That's right, next Tuesday. So I I need to uh, get going and get that done before that comes out, huh? <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> Usually I uh, have the review done before I do interviews, but this is an interesting way to do it as well. For sure. And um, Obviously I want to ask you some questions about it. Um, it seems like such a serene cover, but yet the title's Wild Monsoon. So just wondering. <laughs> That's a good reflection. That's a good reflection. <laughs> I would have to say there's elements of calm and there's elements of, uh, you know, the wild monsoon. I think for Ricky, as an Indian who deals with the monsoon every year, it means uh, something much deeper than it would be for an American who just knows the concept of it. Oh, yeah. That's the rainy season. You know, for us, the rainy season is considerably uh, more uh, timid, at least in, in California. Um, but it's um, it has a lot of diff- different levels, I understand, and uh, different facets, which is why we kind of went with that theme of uh, summer, uh, fall, autumn rather, winter, spring, uh, and then forest, uh, river, uh, rain, waterfall. I mean, trying to bring all these elements together into uh, a kind of an environmental message without hitting it on the head, if you know what I mean. Right. So how did you end up connecting with Ricky? I know he's an extremely busy man, always involved in some <laughs> kind of recording or touring or, or something. He's uh, in demand. Yeah, he's, so, so. he's very involved in the environmental community. He's, he has ties with the UN and the... Uh, and the uh, Indian government, so it's quite the uh, it's quite quite an interesting life he's leading right now. Uh, we met, I think, in 2011, 2012, at a gathering here in LA. This is his first time to you know try to get into the LA scene specifically with you know trying to get his stuff uh, recognized by uh, Grammy voters. So there was a get together with a bunch of people, and eventually he and I talked. And even though there's like 25. 30 years between us in age and a continent, a few continents away, actually, we found we had a lot of commonalities and a lot of similar influences, and yet they were all very different. So the next time we really got together was in New Orleans at the ZMR Awards, which is the New Age Music Awards that happen every year. And uh, he and I were both up against each other for the Best New Age Album category. And we we sat together and we said we leaned over to each other at different times. And said, I think you're going to win. He goes, No, I think you're going to win. And <laughs> neither of us neither of us won. So it was pretty funny. But we had been talking, so we uh, started getting the idea of doing a project together. Uh, the first project idea didn't quite uh, yield anything. We were both kind of uh, busy with other projects. And then this idea of, of doing kind of a chill album 
came into uh, into the uh, our, our view, and uh, we started sending each other some tracks, usually stuff that was uh, done for a project that never got finished, a commercial or a movie or a you know, so just stuff lying around, uh, which would require um, a lot of attention to for the person who wrote it to finish. But when you hand it off to somebody, they're like going, oh, wow, okay, cool. I got this idea. I got this idea. I got this idea. So he, would, he sent me some stuff. I sent him some stuff. We each worked on it and traded back with each other and, and had some fun working with the idea of the, that the other person came up with. And uh, uh, I think we got something that was unique and different from either of us that we do on our own. Well, that's interesting, yeah, and, that, and that's good too, because that kind of it separates you from your own work, and yeah, puts a totally different perspective on your capabilities as musicians and you know composition writers. Um, that's the way I would look at it, definitely. Um, like I said at the beginning, I haven't had a chance to listen yet and do the review, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, what? instruments primarily did you play on the album? Um, I played bass, guitar, all the guitars, a bunch of the synths, a bunch of the drums and drum programming, um, some of the Santour patches, and uh, what else did I play on it? Um, Charango and uh, uh, what other, anything... I can't remember everything on I've laid it, but just about anything that hadn't been included originally. Ricky has some musician, Indian musicians he uses regularly that, so you'll hear this amazing flute and sarangi and uh, uh, mm. tabla players. And uh, so what was really interesting is, is he didn't just give me the Indian elements. He overlaid other elements, synth and, and drum elements that, reflect his age group you know his idea of synthesizers growing up in the 80s and 90s or 90s and aughts rather <laughs> were different from mine growing up in the 60s and 70s so you know i would do a, a nice little drum groove that was to make you want to get up and dance and he had he had a sub bass and a more cracky snare to give it a more contemporary feel so there's that and he has a very cinematic style it's very um, influenced by people like Christopher Nolan's films and uh, also, you know, the classic Indian films. So there's a lush and dramatic quality to it. But my music is also cinematic, but in a different way. I'm more of an independent film, <laughs> cinematic sound, and he's more of the big blockbusters. So when you put those two together, it's an interesting mix. So again, we have commonalities that express themselves in different ways. So it sounds like to me like it's a new age slash world chill type of recording. Well, the chill quickly quickly dropped away <laughs> because I tend to, you know, I have a rock and roll background. I grew up with the Beatles and, you know, Free, Humble Pie, all Led Zeppelin. So I have a strong, aggressive tone to some of the things I do. Even some of the mellow stuff I do still has a bit of an edge. And growing up in L.A. playing in bands where R&B was number one thing, it's always going to be groove-oriented. So it became more of a uh, world beat and less of a chill thing, although someone's heard of the evidence and, oh, it's really chill. I go, really? 
okay. <laughs> what do I know? I just wrote it, you know. <laughs> Everybody's got their own take on things. So it's just, especially when it comes to music, I, everybody has a different view of it because of who they are. You know, yeah, what their it is a reflection. Of, it's very much a reflection of their personality. Yeah, and what so. they use music music for. Some people use it therapy. Some people use it as background music. Some people uh, like to listen to more intently. So it's it's all different. So I have to say, um, I grew up with all that same music too, and I remember the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. I was like four or five years old, and I was so mad I couldn't hear him because all the girls were screaming. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you remember I mean, that as well. I, I actually didn't see the original telecast. Uh, it was 1964, right? Mm, I think so. 64, 65. Yeah. I didn't really dig down into music until I was about six. So that would be 1965, 66, and my first, you know, hook into music was the Monkees, and oh, it's yeah. an easy. It's an easy walk from the monkeys to the Beatles. So, cool. and the rest is history, as they say. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> so those were, those were your influences growing up, uh, you know, bands like that. And what well, made you first, decide to pick up an instrument? Well, I, you know, when I saw the monkeys, I said, I want to be like Mickey Dolan. So I wanted to get a drum set, but I lived in an apartment building. So, uh, they frowned on that. <laughs> so I ended up yeah. playing on a practice pad for a number of years, then getting frustrated, picking up the bass so I could be like Paul McCartney. I was left-handed like him. And then for some reason, I can't actually remember, I switched to guitar when I was 13. And uh, at that point, I was into British Blues, Cream, Led Zeppelin, Jeff Beck Group, um, stuff like that. And uh, so it was a good thing for a guitar player to start off with. And then I got into progressive rock, not too, you know, maybe two, three years later. And um, and then in around the high school, I started getting into classical music. So, um, and then at the same time, I, you know, I started doing gigs when I was about 15. All my friends were friends with the, the kids of two years above us in school who became Toto, who were also the top session musicians. So I got into the session musicians sound and the scene. And then, uh, you know, I have to say my tastes and my influences keep changing because I keep, um, you know, digesting more and different music. And I have to say, of course, the Beatles were my first Indian music influence. Oh yeah. With George Harrison, he got them into that with the sitar and all that and going over to yeah. India. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what Steve Lukather was, in your school, two years ahead of you? Yep, and Mike Landau, the other great session player from our school. And there were a bunch of other musicians other than the Picaros and Lukather and Landau who came out of our school. It was just an amazing, wow. uh, uh, you know, laboratory for great musicians. And, you know, everybody would influence the, the kids below them. So right. I'm sure probably now there's still great musicians coming out of Grant High School in Van Nuys. A little plug for them. Toto, amazing band. They still are. They're just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So you all excited about 
the release of this. You, I see you put a single out to give people a little taste. Yeah, and then the album's coming out on Tuesday, and it's very exciting. It's, you know, it took us a long time to finish this because right after we did the first, you know, uh, block of work, Ricky won the first Grammy with Walter Kellerman, and uh, his life changed, literally. And mm-hmm. I've talked to so many, you know, American and English musicians who won Grammys, and you'd ask them what would change, and said nothing at all. But because Ricky's in India, they take a different attitude towards it, and it propelled him into not only a more visible presence in the music industry, but he was able to start making his environmental concerns um, part of his whole, uh, uh, you know, uh, presentation. So his concerts aren't just about listen to my music. They're about consider what's happening in our environment. And that's something that he and I both hold very close to our our, um, our, our hearts. I've been in, in, interested in environmentalism since the 70s. So um, so that's why we were trying to keep keep it a nature-focused, environment-focused in our titles. And that's I think good. it just kind of comes out in our music, too, somehow. Right. I hear that a lot in New Age. And, you know, I don't know what it's going to take to get the message across, um, but yeah. the things that I'm seeing going on on this planet, I don't know how we can turn back and fix things. It's pretty crazy. But, um, well, it's been really clear that we can't legislate it. We have to work on people's right. thinking about it. And that's a right. much harder ask, <laughs> as they say. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> global. Definitely global. Yeah. So, you know, interesting bringing up Ricky's status and how it was elevated. Uh, I covered Stuart Copeland and his uh, Divine Tides, and I said in my review, I thought it was the best album I had heard all last year, and I pretty much said, look, you know, this is going to get a Grammy. That's all there is to it. Sure enough. (laughs) Sure enough. I'm like, all right. You know, they definitely nailed it on that one. That's for sure. He knows how to partner with the right people, you know, so. He always says he likes to work with people who are better than him. But I feel the same way, so that's why I'm working with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a mutual respect, obviously. Yeah. 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 And, you know, Stuart's such a professional and such a brilliant musician. It was a tough category. I mean, I know all the all the uh, nominees were friends of mine. And, you know, it was just a re- really tough category with some really wonderful music out there. So, but, you know, yeah. when you have the scope that um, – that Ricky put into it, it's hard to rise above that. You know, it's such a perfect album. True. Yeah. I mean, I heard a lot of great albums, as I do every year. But that one, there was just something about it that stood above everything else. I mean, every aspect of it, artwork, everything was just like, wow, you know? (laughs) Well, Ricky's really good at putting together an amazing package. And when we talked about this album, knowing that it was just going to be uh, a um, digital release. You know, we only had to focus on the cover. And, uh, you know, Ricky, again, knocked it out of the park with an amazing cover. And, um, yeah. And you produced it as well? We co-produced it, co-wrote it, co-performed it. I mixed it. He mastered it. So it's pretty much down-the-middle collaboration, which is so much fun to do. That is so cool the way things are done. I mean, I remember when that all started years ago with 
people standing, you know, sending, uh, uh, getting a band together that was with five different people in different countries and sending MP3s back and forth and, and doing that right. and how that's evolved is pretty amazing, huh? Totally. And it's gotten to the point even where you can actually do a session with somebody live. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's a Definitely. software. Um, there's like audio movers and I forget the name of the other one, but you can have, you know, high audio quality on both sides and without too much uh, latency and really have a, um, a, a live session. So that's pretty amazing. And I'm looking forward to utilizing that in a lot of my um, upcoming projects. The world keeps changing, but music has been the constant there for us. You know, it's, to me, saves my life. Simple as that. It really does. Yeah. I totally hear you. Some of the artists that I love best aren't the ones that are the most anything, but they're the ones that touched my heart when I most needed it. Right. And, and you know, when you listen to an album that's all instrumental and it does that, that's something special. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Because, you know, you're not listening to words and processing that. You're just processing the music and how it's making you feel and what pops into your yeah. head and, you know, it's it's really a very, very um, interesting experience to go through. And um, as I have gotten older, it seems like my tastes have changed and, and grown continually. And I just recognize so many different things that I never was even aware of before. Yeah. And the nice thing about um, instrumental music is there's no lyric to start to tell you what the object of what you're hearing is. So you come to it fresh and you just, if you have an open heart, you're listening and taking it all in and it's, you know, clicking on neurons in your brain and your, your heart's doing this or whatever. And it's completely individual. Absolutely. You can go take a look at the titles and a lot of times, I think it's true to heart with new age, but, when you start going towards rock and roll and, and other different genres and they, you look at the track titles and you ask the artist what it means and they'll just say, I don't know. <laughs> we just thought of that <laughs> and thought we'd just name it that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I think a lot more thought goes to the, the, the albums that are in the new age genre. So. Yeah. And uh, yeah. The, t the titles on this album, you know, were very deliberately picked. Um, I um, I had Ricky do the the titles. I gave him, you know, we talked about what we thought it should reflect, and uh, my in initial idea was to go much more um, uh, on the nose with with environmental titles. And he said, you know, I've done that, and I think it'd be better for us to just kind of bring people's minds and consciousnesses into nature and let that do the work. And I thought that was really wise. Um, you know, he's he's done a lot of work in the environmental world, so he's learned a lot about um, good ways to present things. So, yeah. And that cover looks like a, a watercolor. Yeah, kind of cool. <laughs> who who did that? Do you know who the artist was? Or? I don't. I don't. Um, he. Uh, it's basically the first idea that he sent me, and I just went, uh, yeah. 
Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, when you look at that cover, I mean, it looks like um, it's reflecting in in the water, um, but may, not necessarily, it could, it could be water, it could be anything, but it, it kind of looks that way to me. That it's, 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 it's very interesting because um, when he sent me the Photoshop file, um, sometime after I'd seen it and I saw how it broke down, I went, oh, that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> it almost doesn't matter what you're looking at, just it's how it makes you feel. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, a reflect, a it's been flipped over and put side by side, but with this kind of canyon in, the, in between, which has been uh, fun. I created covers for all the songs so that when I put them up on Spotify, uh, with Canva, I don't know if you know Canva, it's a little, you do eight second videos for each uh, song to play while it's being played on Spotify. So I redid all the covers for, for each of the songs in a slightly different way, but using the same uh, template. And that was a lot of fun to do because I, I love working in Photoshop. It's, it's just like another instrument, you just play it differently. I can imagine how advanced it is now. I used it years and years ago. But what version is it on now? About fifteen? <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. It's whatever it is, it's uh it's it's way more than I can possibly learn even ten percent of and I feel really good about what I know already. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been really interesting speaking to you as it always is to any artist and you know, hearing you know about some of the process and you call yourself the sound painter and I, I like that. Yeah, I've been toying around with that idea because even though the analogy I use most is a sculptor, um, mm -hmm. sound sculptor sounds weird. <laughs> so it's in the same way you're, you're painting with co colors in music. You're, you're creating depth. Um, I'm a big fan of Renaissance painters, you know, uh, Tintoretto, Titian, Da Vinci, that, that all were, were experimenting, with, experimenting with chiaroscuro, you know, the light and the dark. So there's the light and the dark, there's the depth, there's the colors, there's the texture of the brush or the paint. You know, is it, you know, uh, um, watercolor or is it, you know, uh, another medium? So I think it's a good analogy for music. And when you're, you have a very abstract, um, creative process like I do, you know, I think of myself more as an, uh, a contemporary impressionist like uh, Debussy or, or Ravel. Not that I'm anywhere near close. I'm not claiming that. <laughs> but in terms of impressionism and, and bringing colors and textures and have those speak as loud as the melodies. So that's where that came from. Well, I appreciate all of that insight, and I'm sure uh, listeners will as well. And we look forward to the release of Wild Monsoon by yourself and Ricky. Is it Kej? Am I saying his name right, Ricky Kej? You are, yeah. Oh, okay. So I am, I'm assuming that it's going to be streaming on that day of release on the 28th as well? Yes, you can pre-save it if you find me either on Instagram or Facebook. There's a pre-save link. Just type in Vito Gregoli, B-I-T-O-G-R-E-G-O-L-I, and uh, it's on the top of both my pro page and my private page. Okay. Well, I like to post when uh, the album's released with Spotify streams. So if, when people go look at the review, they can listen 
as well. So I think it's important for the artist to have both of those things available inside a review. So I'll make sure it's done that way. Awesome. Great. I appreciate all your time, Vito, and uh, look forward to working with you and Ricky again in the future. Me too. Thanks for having me, and a uh, pleasure to talk to you, Keith. You too. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.